Hey guys, Zach Beaver here. Super excited for this episode of Without Apology. How can God regret something? Asks Noxington via Instagram. We will be discussing that and more on your favorite podcast in the entire world without apology. All right. <sighs> River, Steven, Noxington DM'd us on Instagram. Did he? As all people should. Yeah. And he asked, quote, God doesn't change and knows everything. Yet, before the flood, Genesis 6-6, he, quote, regrets, end quote, what he made. How is this possible? How can God regret something? Talk to me. I have the wonderful definition of regret. Go on. In human terms, at least, of the dictionary. Those are the terms that we speak. Indeed. It says regret is to feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a missed opportunity. So, regret is very, very interesting. I don't know if there's actually a version in the Bible that says, like, specifically the word regret. I don't know if... There is. Is there? Um, is there, is, is in there in Genesis 6-6, 1 Samuel 5-11, Exodus 32-12, um, in quite a few... Psalms, Jeremiah, Joel, Amos, Jonah. Well, geez, there you go. Never mind. I take it back. He said the word regret and repent... Yeah, they're used interchangeably mm-hmm. um, in in those contexts, not just throughout the whole Bible. I see. I think that regret is. Um, I, w- I was reading the the Genesis six uh, verses. I read the whole entire chapter before this, and I was really thinking that, like, I don't know if how we interpret regret is the same th- necessary, like, hundred percent context as to what this regret would kind of look like. Well. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with that because, like, if you look at the verses before the ber- the verses, like, you know, preceding it and the ones coming right after of it, uh, in verse five it says, "The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. So, like, He sees this great divide. So that's what he's he's like, oh my goodness, man is not after my heart. And he notices like, uh, actually we should just read seven too. All right, I'm going to go through seven. So that was five and six. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So basically he sees all this evil and there's no desire to go back to God. And God, I think we also we often forget that God wants a relationship with us, mm. you know? So that's like one of the things he's like, he's longing for us. He longs for our hearts, like the whole time. The God in the Old Testament, the God in the New Testament are one and the same. And it, like people often get that confused. They get that twisted. Like how can a God in the Old Testament, the one who destroys the earth, the one who sends fire raining down from the heavens on, you know, all the, the cities that were like, you know, going against him. How could he like do these things to these people? And still be a loving God. So that's like the question that I think Knox is getting at, Mr. Knox. Um, Mr. Knox. Knox. Love that dude, by the way. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's a good guy. Nice beard. He's all right. So that's the, I think right. how can a loving God do bad things is kind of the the question that is asked. How can a loving God also be a just God, a, a God that seeks justice, mm. I yeah. guess. 
I would I would push back on that. I don't think because that's a whole different question. It, how can an all loving God do bad things, mm, quote unquote bad things? Like bad. How, how can there be hell if God's all loving and stuff like that? Mm. I think we need to stay focused on the actual question. How could He, God knowing everything, regret something? Yeah. Because when okay. you and I regret something, we did something. We move forward. We look backwards and we say, man, I wish I did that differently. Mm. Or if I had another chance, I would do that differently. So I think I think what you're saying are two different questions, two valid right. questions, but they're different questions. Mm. And for now, I think we need to focus on this. How does he regret something? Yeah. Okay. Because if, if God is omnipotent, right, meaning that he is the one true powerful God that is described in the everything. Bible. He knows everything. He is... He he is the one true like truth basically. He knows everything. Mm. Then how can he go back on his own thought process, his own actions, and kind of say, actually I would have done that differently. Actually, I think that this wasn't the best day. It's like, but I don't think that, that is kind of the regret that like because when I'm reading this, my heart is just like, even if God loves his creation, right? Mm. It says that he loves his creation. And he hates sin. Yeah, those are like the two obvious things that I can I can pull right away. If anyone reads the Bible, I think at the first few chapters of Genesis, you can pick that up. And so, if if that's the case, then anything that leads us away from God is sin. Anything. And River, I think that you're on the right track with the idea of, um, like the whole world was was caught up in wickedness, was in, caught up in corrupt in corruption, basically yeah. of not even wanting God in the picture. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is sin. Anything that they were doing at that point that was of the earth, that was attracted to things of this earth and not to the heavens was sin, mm-hmm. right? Starting with the very first sin. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky concept to kind of think. And I think it's good that we're talking this out a little bit. It's a valid question. It's a ve- I mean, it's a very valid if, question. If you're going to say that, that God knows everything, God... Um, he, he knows everything. It's not like he's ever caught off guard by things. He's never surprised, right? That that word omni just means like all. And so for you to say God knows everything and then for the Bible to say God regrets doing this or God regrets that, like those seem seem to be in contradiction, mm-hmm. but I don't think they are. Yeah. So you look at this. We're looking at Genesis. There's there's a, a couple of times that this word, this Greek in Hebrew, or this Hebrew word is used. Um, and so in Genesis 6, 6, it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. The next verse is, so the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I have created, and with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret, there it is again, that I have made them, but Noah found favor in God's eye. So this this word regret, we have to look, we have to remember that when God talks to us, he talks to us like a child, okay? So I teach the third graders at uh, Grace, and I'm not going to go into the third grade classroom and start throwing around uh, homoousius, and we're going to talk about the Greek and the original Hebrew and stuff like that, because that right over the heads mm-hmm. of the kids, right? It wouldn't help them learn. It wouldn't help anything. It would just be make completely no sense. So in God and all his knowledge, if he started talking to us with all like words we couldn't understand and ideas we literally can't grasp because we're not God, that wouldn't do anything. That wouldn't make any sense. So when God talks to us, 
he uses words that fit our language, right? Like you won't go to Mexico and just start yelling English crap at people. Like no one's going to understand what you're saying, right? You have to speak the language of the people. So God is, he's speaking our language here. And in our language, in a 21st century Western America world, when we hear the word regret, we think of something like totally different, right? When we hear regret, we think of what Stephen just defined. Can you read the definition again? Yes, indeed. It is feeling sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a missed opportunity. Right. So like we see this word regret and it says God regret. We would read that as God, if he had a second chance, he would do things differently. I don't think that's at all what is happening here. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that God is an incredibly emotionally complex being. being. Right. Like uh, the emotions that humans have are incredibly complex. And we, there are like therapists and psychologists and people that literally study the mind and the emotions and how that all works. And like, we still don't understand that. So think of that on an infinite cosmic level, the difference between God's complexity of emotion and our complexity of emotion. Mm. And if um, I heard this analogy that uh, a parent would spank their child, right? So your child is, is so disobedient, so against you, so unwilling to cooperate, spitting in your face, like whatever, that you have to you have to spank the child, okay? You you have sorrow that you had to do that, mm. but knowing that it would be sorrow and that you don't really want to do it, but you had to do it because it's the wisest thing to do, right? It, it makes sense. Like if you do something bad, there is punishment, right? Because if you don't punish evil, then it's not just, okay? Mm. So God is able to feel sorrow. For an act in view, for he's able to feel sorrow with the foreknowledge that he's doing it for all the wise reasons. God is able to feel sorrow for an act in view of foreknown evil and yet go ahead and do it for all the wise reasons, okay? And God is capable of lamenting over something that he chooses to bring about, Uh right? So like this is, wiping clean the earth of sin, purging sin, which we can get into the flood a whole different episode. Um, But this idea of regret is God's regret and our regret are different. The way we regret and the way we repent is not the same way that God repents. Okay. God, God's way of repenting is unique to God and to God alone. Yeah. There's, I I like to look at even after that as well, like the, the events that happen, um, and the conversation between like the first moments that God is is telling Noah, basically like, hey, like this is going to happen, the flood is going to happen. Um, even in that conversation, uh, you can just tell by like the way that God is talking to Noah. It's like, hey, Noah, because you still have faith in me, because you still are chasing after me with all your heart, then I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you safe by having you build the ark. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm going to and there's going to be something. Why? Because you're still faithful to me. Because you're 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 still not you know like what is making this earth corrupt basically. Right. And so I it's like you, you can almost feel like the tear in God's eye, kind of like when He's doing this. You know, like you can almost you can almost feel like um, like what Isaac was talking about the sorrow behind this. Of He doesn't want to have to do this. Like no one wants to ever have to spank their child for something. Nobody. But if you have to, you have to, because like Isaac was saying, it's just. 
But I, I love the the kind of um, perspective that you have when when God's talking. Now, I'm going to read it just real quick. It says, so God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and a coat in it. A coat with pitch inside out, blah, blah, blah. That's just the description of how to make the ark. Um, and then it says, I'm going to bring floodwaters onto the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. If that was it, if you left it at that, that sounds pretty dang bad. Like, it does not sound good to any of humans, anything. It, it would make God almost feel, like, smiteful about some things, about, like, the sin on the earth. But then it says... But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. And right after that, it's like you realize, and and it talks about about the food you're supposed to bring in there with him. It's like, okay, God is seeking love still to Mm -hmm. those who have honored that. And this is before Jesus. This is before all of us were forgiven. So this is like... This is where you can really start to see the heart of God behind this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that, like, th- this is all out of his love for, no- for Noah. He finds favor in him. And you can see God working behind, not even behind the scenes. You can see him working, working very plainly in front of it. Like, you just see him like, this is God working. All throughout verses 6, 9 to 9, uh, 29. He, like, had his hand on Noah. He had a plan for Noah. He's like, all right, this is, I have to, I have to take care of this. But you found favor. You've honored me, and you have, you have uh, kept my word. You have, you know, maintained. Uh, oh my goodness, what is the word I'm forgetting? You have remembered me when everyone else has forgotten. Yeah, basically. And because of this, I found favor in you. So this is what's going to go down. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Trust in me. And then he did. Noah did, mm-hmm. which is amazing that he was able to even trust God's plan for him when every single other person on the earth was against him. Think about it yeah. like that. Have you ever like thought about like, like just one person going on the earth and at literally every single person was against him because of God? Mm. Like, like, oh, you, what? That's crazy. That's nuts. That's kind of crazy. I've never actually ever thought about that yeah. until this moment. Like Noah was literally the, and like him and his family were the only people who trusted God. That's crazy. And like, look at the earth now. Like, look, look, look at that, you know, yeah. look at human race now. It's cra- That's crazy. Yeah. But no, I mean, and, and the, like, we're kind of saying the word regret is very, it's it's very unique to us because we've we've kind of formed it into what our connotation of it is right now. We've made the we've made the meaning of what re- the word regret is is kind of just like what we want it or what we think of it as in our common day language. Yeah. Back then, and I mean even even like just in general, when whenever this account happened, you know, of the flood then you have a completely different connotation, I think, and a completely different meaning of this word, of regret. Um, I don't even, I don't know about that. I think the word retains its um, its core meaning. Obviously, it has different connotations. Con- uh, like, we, we use it differently. We understand it differently. Uh, we just have to, when we walk that line, we have to be careful because then what's to say, like, oh, that word means meant something way different back then. So now we translate it this way, right? The the words of God are are inspired and inerrant, and every word is perfectly placed by God Himself and and oversaw and and kept in um in in it's the way it should be because God has blessed it and kept His hand over His holy word. Um, I 
in First Samuel fifteen eleven, I think we get a better look into this. And it says, um, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel and said, I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not cried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So here again, we have this word, I regret that I had made Saul king, right? We talked about last episode that rulers and authorities are placed specifically by God. Um, and so when he says, I have, I regret making Saul king, because Saul would kind of go crazy a little bit and uh, take the kingdom in the opposite direction. We, we look down at verse 29, so 18 verses later, and I think we have a really good glimpse into what's going on here. So it, just keep in mind, I regret making Saul king. 18 verses later it says, the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret or repent, for he is not a man that he should have regret or repent. Now, the point of this verse seems to be that even though there is a sense in which God does repent, it says it says so in verse 11. He did, yeah. It says there is another sense in which he does not repent in verse 29. It's the same word in Hebrew. Um, he does not repent. No, like he, do, he doesn't repent in the same way, right? And the difference would naturally be that God's repentance happens in spite of perfect foreknowledge. Our repentance happens because we don't know what's going to happen, right? We don't know the best way. We, we actually have no clue what the plan is. And then we look back and we repent. The difference between, one of the differences between us and God is that God's repentance happens in spite of perfect foreknowledge. And that is what it, that's what it means to be God. While most human repentance happens because we lack foreknowledge, God's way of repenting is unique to God. God is not a man that he should repent like a man right? As it says in verse 29, uh, the writer of 1 Samuel is meaning to say God is not a man that he should repent as a man repents in his ignorance of the future. Mm-hmm. We repent in our ignorance of the future. So God's repentance is inherently different because his repentance happens in, in spite of perfect foreknowledge. Like we said earlier, it, it's possible God is able to feel sorrow for an act, right? And yet go ahead with it for all the right reasons, for all the wise reasons, right? Like you're able to, to spank your child and have like be sad and regret that you had to do that. Mm. But knowing that you had to do that or your child's never going to learn or they're going to go off in a different path. Right. And like, I want to be careful with how I choose this, but like you can kind of see like that heart behind like with Jesus and like going to the cross, like I'm like, I'm certain like that God did not want to have to send his son to go die on the cross. Right. You know, like mm. that's, like that is the last thing that he like he wanted, but like I'm sure he like this has to happen in order that all of us can be saved. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's like this has to happen, like because if I just leave you all to be, like all of you will turn away from me. And, so and it, he had to do drastic measures to comp- like compensate for that. Yeah, and and the fact that God knows everything is of great fortune to us mm-hmm. that He makes the promises that he makes in the Bible. Amen. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like, I'm with you. I got you. You're in my hands. Like the promises he makes, why those have so much worth and mean so much to us is he makes those promises knowing everything that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He, like the words of the scripture don't change because of what happens in the future. The yeah. words of the scripture were written with God having perfect foreknowledge of everything that's about to happen. Yeah. And uh, we get in the dicey water when we start to say like God, he couldn't have known that or he didn't have known that. That's what the, we call that the heresy of open theism, that God is open 
to, to things of the future. Mm-hmm. He's not sure yeah. which way things are going to happen, which he's like not that. watching a sitcom. Right, right. He he's not surprised by Corona. He's like, oh no, he was supposed to get elected, or or that wasn't supposed to happen. It like doesn't catch him <laughs> yeah. off guard. Everything, every thing that is happening is somehow the best way for things to happen. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some way. And like last last episode, we used the analogy of a mouse in a in a maze. Like like we're the mouse. You only see ten feet in front of you, and then you're like, uh oh, now what? And like God, he sees the whole maze. He sees you, he's with you, he's guiding you in, in the, why his promises are so amazing, why the things he says are so unique, why God himself is so beautiful and wonderful is because he has perfect foreknowledge of things that are to come. Yeah. I think, huh, I think it's, uh, it's a hilarious thing. This is the reason why this thought is hilarious. I've often put myself in like the position like, Oh my goodness, I did not mean for this to happen in this episode of 2020, you know what I'm saying? Or this episode of 2021. <laughs> yeah. Who saw that coming? Oh my goodness. 2021 is just uh season 2020 part 2. Exactly. <laughs> That's all it it's is. like it's like putting yourself in like that like framing this idea that God is like, "Oh shoot, murder hornets. Never saw right. that one coming. Oh shoot, we dropped a, a pandemic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who would have thought?" You know, like you're thinking that like like it's so humorous because we all like not all of us I guess but like for me it's humorous because like God how could like God doesn't forget things he doesn't miss things right. there's yeah. not an event that goes out of his eye at all yeah so like having confidence in that is just is is just a great hope yeah. and I thought it was like kind of humorous to even like put myself in that position where I'm thinking like oh my goodness God is like shocked by this oh my goodness he didn't see this coming right so just amen to like the fact that he is not like that mm-hmm. he's he's yeah. not a, he's not a God that's shocked by the present or the future he's not a God that is just steps away from like the world after he's set it in motion he's right. like someone who's yeah. very personal and intimate with all of us and has a very detailed plan of what he wants to happen and he knows even though it hurts his heart sometimes, which is like what it said, like it hurt God's heart hurt, that he yeah. had to do this. Mm-hmm. He had to do this so that we could be here. Because yeah. like, there's no other way. Yeah. I'll kind of end it out a little bit, my thought process on this with this at least. Um, I think that as humans, we instantly are drawn to the negative instead of the positives about things. And so there could have been 10, 20, 50, 100 good things that God has done that we see, but we'll be drawn to the one thing that we're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. This doesn't fit the the motif. This doesn't fit it. There's no way this is the correct way. And it's like, I look at that and I say, man, if I just, if I, if I realize how like, omnipotent God is, then I'm happy that the omnipotent God is a loving God. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy he's not a spiteful God. I'm happy he's not a, 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 a rude, a mean, a bashful God to us, a judgmental God. I'm, I'm thankful that he is a loving God. Mm-hmm. And I can see that from the many, many other good things he, he does in the Bible. That yeah. like this one thing, it, it it has to be for good. There's no other way it can't be. Because look at all of these things that I see where I'm like, this is good. This yeah. is a very loving. This is very, this is very um just merciful in the way that he treats us, yeah. you know? And if you look at it from the other side, you'll say, that's the complete opposite, Stephen. He's not merciful. Look at how, what he did to all these human beings. Look at what he did to this. Look at how he's, he's, he's like Isaac was saying, he's opened the, the heavens to rain fire down on, on like just civilization. I mean, what, what is this, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's only because of the fact that we're drawn to the negatives. Mm-hmm. We're drawn to the things that don't make the, don't make the whole entire thing right. And that's where, that, that's where I think that this, 
this really can start to trip some people up. It, tri- it can trip me up too, for sure. I had an interesting conversation the other day with someone about focusing on the negatives. Um, I, we, I was sharing my testimony. And, it's, and it's, it's really fascinating. When we're going through our testimonies, we talk about like all that we've been through and how we got to God, basically. Mm-hmm. But even like even through those moments, like all the bad stuff that was happening, there was so much good that God was doing behind the scenes in those moments that I didn't even focus on. Yeah. So like, and that's like hopeful. Like, you know, it's like, just remember like, I'm here. I overcame this. I overcame that. I overcame this next thing. Well, it's not really me. It's God overcoming it through me and he's working through me and for me and eventually leading me to who he is, to his heart and eventually giving me, and and eventually turned out that I gave my heart to him because of those things. But I realized there's so much good that was happening in behind the scenes, like throughout my testimony. And it's like, I just thought it was fascinating that when we, when people share their testimonies with each other, we often focus on the things that like have been like hurting us, weighing us down like this. Oh, I was overcome by anxiety and fell into this. And I was overcome by my depression and fell into this. But like, there's still so much hope going on, like in behind the scenes in other people that like are there for us, that like love us. And like, and it's evident that God loves us by putting those people in our lives as well. So I don't know. I just doing a lot of reflecting about that as well. I thought that was pretty interesting. And you can't like, like just what both you guys were saying, you can't know God's plan. Like you, we don't get to know everything Mm -hmm. and praise God for that. I don't want to know everything. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you know everything about God, God's small enough to fit inside your head. What kind of God is that? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not my God. My God is of infinite emotional, physical, spiritual complexity that I only get small glimpses of because I can only handle small. Like if what we know of God is fractional and we can't even comprehend like this fraction that he's given us, like like you don't want to know the fool like craziness of God because yeah. – um, there's a guy named John Piper and he's just this crazy old guy pastor and he like screams and yells. And I freaking love him because he's like 80, but he's like always fired up about something. Um, and I, I was like working through how can God regret something? And, and he, his, he has a podcast called desiring God. Super cool. Uh, you should check that out. Um, and he has a lot of other stuff and he really helped me through this. And he has this quote that I really like. Um, and it says, for God to say, I feel sorrow that I made Saul king is not the same as saying, I would not make him king if I had to do it over again. Oh, yes, he would. (laughs) God is able to feel sorrow for an act in view of foreknowledge of evil, foreknown pain and sorrow and misery, and yet go ahead and do it for wise reasons. And so later when he looks back on the act, he can feel that sorrow for the act that he knew was leading to sad conditions like Saul's disobedience. One of the great implications of all this is that when God makes a promise to us, he does it with complete foreknowledge of all future circumstances and is therefore never caught off guard by anything. So his promises will stand according to his infinite wisdom. Let that give you so much peace in so much confidence, in in so much boldness and courage and trust and faith that everything God ever promised you, like like when you signed up, it's not like God's like, let's let's do this together. Let's figure out what's next. Like, like, no, I know what's next. I need you to trust me that I know what's next. I have your best intentions in mind. I want 
good things for you that maybe don't seem like good things, look like good things, or feel like good things, but you don't know it yet, but this is the best way that your life can possibly go. And that's the God we serve. Thank you all so much for tuning in to us. Have a fantastic life. Make sure, to ch- <laughs> make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. This has been your favorite podcast in the entire world. Without apology, we'll see you next time. All right, gotta run. Here we go. See you, bye. Hey, good luck. See you, gents. <laughs>